Hey, don't forget, tomorrow we've got a Christmas Eve celebration. Is it tomorrow? Yeah, I just got to make sure that <laughs> you're going to all show up, but I'll forget about it. Uh, <laughs> but we're celebrating Christmas, and I got to tell you, um, the messages that, that I've prepared for you for this Christmas season are not like anything I've ever done before, and I, I've, it's really been very thrilling and exciting for me, uh, mostly because we've, we're moving past the sort of the sentimental aspects of Christmas. For many of us, when we think of Christmas, it's either we're thinking of the baby Jesus, we're thinking about Santa Claus or reindeer, I don't know. But we don't really go deep into the backstory, which I'm going to tell you is, um, is one of the most significant uh, or, or the most significant story in the whole Bible, the birth of Jesus, uh, which is which we've called the beginning. And by that, we mean the beginning of Satan's end. And we are thrilled. We're thrilled to, to be thinking of that. Although some might think it's a little too heavy for Christmas. But I've got to remind you, uh, really, what Christmas is all about. What, the way that we celebrate Christmas in our culture is really very much uh, a modern invention. It's not something that was celebrated for the past 2,000 years. It's all relatively new. And I'm going to tell you, our culture, our culture will do whatever it can to eliminate the Jesus factor. How many know what I'm talking about? I was just at, uh, at Polo Park at, I think it was a Carlton, Carlton card store. Everybody knows about that store. And that's what they do. They sell cards. And I went in there, and you know, I had a, a real difficult time finding uh, religious Christmas cards, which is kind of ironic because that's really what this holiday is about. It's about Jesus. I think, and there are literally, um, literally hundreds, probably thousands of cards. And I could only find, uh, I could only find two box sets of, of religious cards. One was the, was the Magi, the wise man. And the other one was a dove, and that was it. And then there's, there's all kinds, happy holidays, and, uh, and, and then you name it. There's all, everybody knows it. You've seen it yourself. There was a time when, when, before we got to where we are now, we were at least celebrating some of the, the symbols of Christmas. If you could, yeah. Uh, the, you know, you, we've, I've been showing you this for the past few weeks. There's a star and the angels and the, and there's that chicken again right in the dead center. And, and, well, you know all the symbols of Christmas, don't you? And then last week, I introduced a new symbol that none of us had ever seen at Christmas time before. And, and, and if it was called, of course, the, the, the martyr of the innocents. And you'll remember that, that uh, when, when the Magi went to, to Herod to ask, where is the king that was born king of the Jews? And you know that Herod, because... He felt it was a threat to his kingdom. He immediately sent his soldiers to kill all the babies that were uh, between the ages of zero and two years. And so we see this, this massive slaughter that actually Jeremiah prophesied. Uh, he prophesied that this was going to happen, the weeping in Ramah. And so that's a symbol that, that you're not going to get a Christmas card with that on it. I can tell you that, where a, a mother's baby is being threatened. I mean, it's just a little too heavy for Christmas, isn't it? And yet... This is the Christmas story. We try to keep it so, so simple uh, and, and, and cuddly and cozy and warm, but we fail to recognize that there is a, a, a backstory that is actually quite dark. Well, there's another symbol, uh, and it's, 
it's the symbol of the, the menorah. Now, this is a seven, a seven you, you can see it, the seven arms or seven branches of the menorah. And this was, in, this was uh, first established by God in the temple. It represented two things. It represented, number one, that God's, God's presence was forever, eternally, with his people. Someone say hallelujah to that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> it represented that God's presence was forever with his people. But the second thing, it was a reminder to the Jewish people that they were, in fact, called to be a light to the Gentiles. We read about that in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6, and you will be a light to guide the nations. Now, when Jesus was talking uh, to us at, on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, he told us not to hide our light under a bushel. Remember that? And for many of us, we think, well, that message was primarily to Christians. But let me remind you that Jesus was speaking to a Jewish audience, and they would have understood what he was talking about. He was reminding the Jewish people, hey, our job is to be a light to the world, to show, to show God, to show the truth to a broken and hurting world. And so that's what that's about. Now, some of you will be familiar with this. And if you've got a good eye, you'll notice that there's a few more branches on this one. On the menorah that the Jewish people, uh, most Jewish people would have that in their home because it is a great Jewish symbol. But when it comes to Hanukkah, there is eight candles with one in the middle, total of nine candles. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about how Hanukkah really is critical to the Christmas story. A lot of people don't know that. So some of you think, well, Hanukkah is the Jewish Christmas. <laughs> so, but what you have to know is that there is no Jewish Christmas. Everybody understand that? Now, there are some similarities. It's a family event. The children are laughing and smiling. There's happiness. They light candles. We light candles. Um, uh, we give gifts. They give gifts. Uh, it, it's better to be Jewish, though, because you get, you get one gift every day for eight days. Some would say, amen. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> every day, every day you get, you're getting a gift. So there are some similarities. Um, this Hanukkah candelabra, it really is meant to evoke uh, thoughts of the seven branches. But on this, on this Hanukkah candle... It speaks of a miracle that happened in about 168 B.C., 168 years before Christ was born. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. Hanukkah, sometimes called the Festival of Lights, is a, a time of rejoicing with the family. Rejoicing at God's faithfulness in preserving the Jewish people. It has been said that without Hanukkah, there would be no Christmas. If there had been no Hanukkah, there would be no Christmas. Let me explain that to you. We first hear about Hanukkah in Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8, Daniel is prophesying about the day when Israel would experience what happened in 168 B.C. Daniel is literally prophesying Hanukkah. Now, the interesting thing is that in the Old Testament, you will not find anybody celebrating Hanukkah. In the Old Testament period, nobody celebrates Hanukkah. Why? Because most of the Old Testament, or all of it, was written 
before Hanukkah actually happened. That is, that is when Antiochus, king of Syria, invaded Jerusalem. But we fast forward to the New Testament, and we find, in fact, that Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. How many knew that today? It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. Now, this is really important, because we see Jesus celebrating Hanukkah, And I'm sure Jesus understood the significance, obviously, better than anybody. He understood that if it were not for Hanukkah, he would not be born and he would not be doing what he was doing at that time. Very important to understand that. Celebrating Hanukkah for spiritual reasons that were way beyond what the Jewish people would have understood at that time. It's very, very thrilling. Now, by the way, let me just say this. In John chapter 10, remember we talked last week about how Satan was constantly trying to assassinate Jesus? In John chapter 10, Satan's at it again. He's trying to assassinate Jesus. They picked up stones to to stone Jesus to death. But you know the story how Jesus, Jesus was safe because his time had not yet come. Let's go back then to 168. BC. We find the Syrian king Antiochus Epiphanes sent his soldiers to Jerusalem. He wanted to put an end to Judaism. Literally, he wanted to wipe out Judaism. He wanted to wipe out the religion. He wanted to wipe out the culture. He wanted all the Jewish people to worship the gods of the Greeks. In fact, he declared that the that the Temple of the Jews is now the Temple of Zeus. And he goes in and he defiles the temple. He sets up this, this image, which Daniel calls the abomination of desolation. Some of you have heard of that. This is all prophesied about in Daniel chapter 8. And so what happens now is that Antiochus has, has defiled the temple. He has slaughtered pigs and offered pigs on the altar of, of God, altar built to worship God, and we know that on the altars of God, only those animals that are clean are allowed to be sacrificed there, but he sacrificed pigs, and this is like the worst thing that you could do to the Jewish people. Not only that, but he forbade any sort of worship that was of the Jewish religion. He outlawed Shabbat. Shabbat would be the Sabbath day. He outlawed the festivals that they would have celebrated, like Passover. He outlawed circumcision. That was not allowed. And I'm going to tell you, Israel was in a terrible state. The Jews had two options, either convert to the new religion or die. On the 25th day of the Hebrew month of Kislev in 168 B.C., the temple was then officially renamed the Temple of Zeus. For all intents and purposes, Judaism was being wiped out. And as far as Antiochus was concerned, it was. It was a done deal. It was over. But what Antiochus had not anticipated or understood 
is that there's a God greater than Zeus. Hallelujah. Yahweh. Yahweh had a purpose and has a purpose. Our God, Jehovah, was sending his son to this world to redeem this world. Satan knew that. And so Satan was doing everything in his power to destroy. We talked about that last week, to try to destroy Jesus. But before he did that, he tried to destroy the Jewish people. In fact, we see, if we look at the history of Israel, we see repeated attempts to destroy Israel. Some of you know about the book of Esther. That's what Esther's all about. It's about how God preserved the Jewish people one more time. We see Israel constantly under attack. And 168 BC was, was an especially serious attack on Israel. Because not only was Israel uh, subjugated by, by these Assyrians, but they were trying to stamp out their faith and stamp out their religion, trying to destroy Israel altogether. God rose had a man rise up. His name was Judah from the family of the Hasmoneans. Some of you have heard of him. Judah became the chief strategist and military leader that would lead a resistance against the Syrians. And though outnumbered, he and his fighters were able to win two key battles, two decisive battles that put an end to Syrian rule. And through Judah, the temple was liberated, it was cleansed, and it was returned to its original purpose, to worship God Almighty, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And not only that, through that decisive victory, the Jewish people were allowed to practice their faith to worship their God. It was because of this, Judah of the Hasmoneans was renamed Judas Maccabee. Has anybody ever heard of him? Judas Maccabee? I'll tell you what Maccabee means. It means the hammer. Judah the hammer. <laughs> I like that. There's a couple of books. Uh, we don't include them in, this, in the Holy Scripture called Maccabee. Some of you have heard of it. But this is the man that God used. Now, here's what you need to know. This struggle was against total assimilation into the Greek culture a total assimilation to the Greek religions and the mythologies, which would mean a culture, a, a loss of, of, of Jewish identity, the worship of Yah, and, of course, being assimilated. When the Maccabees, and here's, here's where the story of the, of the menorah comes in. When the Maccabees, that is the soldiers of Judas or Judah, when they entered, the, entered into the temple and cleansed it, they discovered that there was only one single jar of oil. And that jar of oil was actually used to light the eternal light. And that jar of oil was, uh, was only enough to, to keep the candle lit for a day. And so a messenger was sent out to find more oil. And, and here's where the significance of the eight candles comes in. It took that messenger eight days before he returned to the temple. Now, here's the miracle of Hanukkah. Is it that one single jar of oil, God multiplied it 
so that that light could stay lit for eight days. This, it was spiritual. It was supernatural. God was, was, was giving a sign to Israel saying that his presence would be eternally with them. And even when they ran out of oil, God provided a supernatural light. And it's for that reason that Hanukkah goes for eight days. Eight days of celebrating, eight days of giving gifts, eight days of talking about God's faithfulness. Because that eternal light represents the presence of Almighty God. This is why we put up Christmas lights. It's all, it's all pointing to Jesus Christ. It all points to the light of God. Now, what does all this have to do with you and me? I know some of you are thinking that, Pastor, I'm not another Jewish lesson. We're Christians. What does this have to do with me? How many understand that this is what it says in Hebrews, that which happens in the Old Testament is a shadow of what's to come in the New? How many understand that? What we see in the Old Testament is a sign of what's to come through Jesus Christ. Very important that you understand that. For many of us, we've just, uh, you know, we, we've just sort of ignored Hanukkah. We've just, we've, we've just sort of swept it out of sight out of, uh, because it had nothing to do with us. But I'm going to tell you, it has everything to do with us. Everything to do with us. Hanukkah is a metaphor Christ, who is called the light of the world. Let me read this to you. And by the way, let me just say this. So often when we talk about Christmas, we usually go into the book of Matthew or Luke, because those are the books that have all the symbols of Christmas. But let me tell you about the most important symbol of Christmas, and it's found in the Gospel of John. A lot of people don't know that John has its own Christmas story, but told completely different. Let me start at verse Verse, well, let me start at verse 1, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. You get the point here? Jesus is God. Say it with me. Jesus is God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. This is why we're calling this the beginning, people. God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. And the word gave life to everything that was created. How many know today that Jesus Christ still gives birth? He gave us the first birth, but he's the one who also gives us the second birth. We call it being born again. We call it being saved. We call it becoming a Christian, converted, whatever language you want to use. But Jesus is the one that gives new life. Wow. Now watch this, verse 5. Let me just put that up on the board there. The light shines in the darkness. Oh, hallelujah. And the darkness can never extinguish the light. That's it. Let me say that to you one more time. The darkness can never extinguish the light. Are you Pentecostal? Let me try one more time. The darkness can never extinguish the light. The darkness can never extinguish the light. 
Here's what you need to know today, because I know what some of you are going through in your life right now. It seems hopeless. It seems helpless. You feel like, I'm never going to get over this. Satan's got the victory in my life. I'm going to be struggling for the rest of my life. I'm stuck in depression. I'm stuck in sorrow, pain, and suffering. But here's what you need to know. Jesus Christ is more than a conqueror, and so therefore you are more than conquerors through Christ. Because the darkness can never extinguish the light. When Jesus Christ is in your life, Satan may threaten, he may accuse you, talking to you in your ear, he may cause you to feel great sorrow and great shame and great guilt, but ultimately when you come to Christ, I want you to know that the light will distinguish, will extinguish the darkness. That's the power of the gospel. That is the gospel message. Very important to understand that. Light, candlelight, menorah light, whatever you want to call it, has always been a critical symbol in the Christian faith because it represents the defeat of darkness, the defeat of Satan's kingdom. Critical that you understand that. I'm going to tell you, folks, every time you come into the light, You drive the darkness from your mind and you drive the darkness from your heart. That's why I tell everybody, you have to pray and read your Bible every day. You've got to come into the presence of Almighty God and let his light light up your mind, light up your heart, and drive away the darkness. There's darkness in all kinds of corners of your heart and mind, and that's why, folks, I have to come to the light. It's my only hope. It's my only hope. The beginning, hope is born. Jesus, the light, brings hope to that heart that's distressed and in sorrow. That heart that think, that believes, is tempted to believe, I'm going to be stuck in this sorrow, in this struggle, in this pain, in this suffering for the rest of my life. And I'm going to tell you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus is the light. And the darkness can never extinguish that light. Listen to this. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Folks, this is the Christmas story. Hope was born. Light has come into a dark world to drive away the darkness. Hallelujah. If there was no Hanukkah, there would be no Messiah. If the Syrians were victorious in their objective to wipe out the Jewish people, there would be no Messiah. And you know the story. Satan has tried repeatedly to destroy the Jewish people. In fact, I'm going to tell you this. Jesus wants to destroy anyone who promotes the Messiah. John was not the light. He was the one that gave testimony to light. Oh, by the way, do you know what happened to John? He was assassinated. They say that 11 of the 12 apostles were assassinated, put to death. Who wants to be a Christian? 
it shouldn't surprise us. Jesus promised us this. He said, if you, if you follow me, then you will be persecuted. In fact, some of you will even be put to death. And everyone said, really? <laughs> You're excited about that, are you? I'm so glad that we can laugh when we're looking darkness in the face. We can laugh. We can even joke about it. Because we know that what happens on this earth, on this world, is nothing compared to the world that is to come. Jesus has given us life, and he's given us life eternal. Yeah, John was put to death. Because why? Because he promoted Christ. So 168 AD or BC, and Antiochus attacks Israel, but within just, uh, just a couple years, he's overthrown. And God restores regular worship. Now fast forward 2,200 years, and guess what we discover? Fast forward 2,200 years, we get to now. What do we discover? Satan's still at it. He's still doing the same thing. He's still trying to destroy God's people. But now it's not just it's not just the Jewish people he's trying to destroy, he's trying to destroy us as well. Who's us? Christians. That's right. He's trying to destroy us. You know that during the Second World War, six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. And Satan has raised up people who deny that there was a Holocaust. Oh, there weren't six million people that died, even though we've got clear documentation. Jewish people are still being hunted and threatened, but it's not just the Jews. Christians now, John MacArthur says, Christians now are public enemy number one. He's not being dramatic. This is the truth. Listen, folks, I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't know how, many, how much longer I can say this to you. But what the church stands for is fundamentally opposed to what our culture and our society believes and stands for. Do you understand that today? What we preach, what we teach, is an offense to our world. Does, do you get that? I'm telling you, well, I'm not being dramatic when I say we won't be doing this much longer. In California, they've already declared that the Bible is hate literature. You know that? It's already declared that. We need to understand that there is another wave of darkness about to descend upon us. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. Fear not. Why? The darkness can never extinguish the light. Hallelujah. You don't need to be afraid. I'm going to tell you that things might not go exactly the way you expect them to go, but I can promise you this. God is never shocked, never surprised. God never goes, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Aren't you glad? God's like, ah, I didn't, what's going on? It's all falling apart. God, God's got all under control. He knows what's going on. And by the way, he knows what's going on in your life right now too, by the way. You think that things are hopeless and things aren't going to work out? 
God's in control. What you have to do is get your eyes off of your circumstances, get them firmly upon God, and believe that he's going to hear your prayer, he's going to answer, and he's going to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you ask or think. Because the darkness can never extinguish the light. Wow, that's thrilling stuff. Now, why is Satan trying to attack us? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus has now got Satan in his target, in the crosshairs. You know what I'm talking about? Think of the hunter's rifle with the scope on it. Satan is right in the crosshairs. He's very uncomfortable in that place. Satan has declared himself an enemy of God, from the foundation of the, of the earth. And it seemed as though God was silent, that Satan was able to have his way. Satan got used to ruling this earth. How many know that Satan is the prince of this world? But only for a time, it's coming to an end. Because the darkness can never extinguish the light. Jesus declared war on Satan with these words. And we call this, the Great Commission. Jesus said what? Can we turn that slide, please? Go and make disciples what? Of all the nations. What are all the nations? The world. Satan is the prince of this world. Jesus comes along and says, Satan, your days are numbered. Your days are numbered, sucker. I don't know if he said it quite like that. Jesus is declaring war. This is, a, this, is, this is a declaration of war. Do you understand this? Who is Jesus speaking to? Us. We are his soldiers. Did you know that you were a soldier in the army of God? God has got his heavenly host. We call them angels. But he also has his earthly host, and he calls them Christians. Did you get that? There's a heavenly host, and there's an earthly host, and they're Christians. And so Jesus has declared war on Satan, and he says, go make disciples of all the nations. And Satan says, hold on a minute here. What did you just say? Jesus? Jesus is like, uh, Satan's like, I'll tolerate Jesus being the king of the Jews, but not of the world. I'm the king of the world, says Satan. But Jesus says, oh, no, you're not, baby. Oh, no, you're not. Jesus says, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all that that I command. And boy, that's a bomb and a half that's gone off in the supernatural realm. That's a nuclear explosion. And And Satan now is not sitting by doing nothing. How many know that? And that's why Jesus warns, you're going you're to come under persecution. Wow. <laughs> Satan is the ruler of this earth. First, the Jews were threatened, or were, and they were a threat to the kingdom of darkness. But now Christians are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Do you understand that? First, the Jews, now us. Now we're a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Now, does this remind you of anything, by the way? We talk about this threat to the kingdom of darkness and, and Satan's attempts to kill. Well, that's what, that's what Hanukkah is about. Antiochus tried to kill off the Jews. 
Herod tried to kill Jesus because Jesus was a threat to his kingdom. The Jewish people were a threat to Antiochus' kingdom. For the first 350 years of Christianity, Christians were a threat to the religions of the Roman Empire. And Satan's constantly trying to kill God's people. But again, it shouldn't surprise us because Jesus promised us this. In fact, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, Timothy, something you need to understand. Everyone, this is 2 Timothy 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer what? Persecution. Why? Because we are a threat to his kingdom. Now, in case you're wondering who's going to win, who's going to lose, no need to bite your fingernails. No need. There's no need to bite your fingernails. Why? Well, here we go again. Because the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish the light. Folks, this really is the gospel of the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of Christmas time. It's the birth of hope, the birth of light that will shine in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in the hearts of your children, at your workplace. You are, in fact, a menorah wherever you go. You're bringing light wherever you go. Think of yourself as a candlestick. It brings light wherever you go. What's the name of that candlestick in Beauty and the Beast? Lumiere. Think of yourself as Lumiere. Thank you, Brenda. You are bringing light wherever you go. And you are, distingu- you are extinguishing light or darkness wherever you go. Did you get that? Jesus was born the light of the world. And all who put their faith in Jesus Christ, you have that light in you. And you are extinguishing darkness wherever you go. That's God's call upon our life. So Jesus' birth was the, was the death of Satan's kingdom of darkness. Hanukkah, it celebrates the defeat of darkness and evil. Hanukkah reminds us that our God is victorious. That's why Paul reminds us that we are more than conquerors through Christ. Why? Because the darkness can never extinguish the light. You have that light living in you. And that's why you and I go to Jesus and have our lamps filled afresh with the anointing, the oil of his spirit so that we may do all that God has called us to do. Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, he says that Hanukkah brings Christmas. Isn't that good? That's what he says. He says, Hanukkah, it brings Christmas. Because without Hanukkah, there would be no Christmas. Now, here's where it gets really, really interesting. I'm going to close with this. In the last series, we talked about the end. And we talked about Jesus teaching and instruction about what would happen in the end in Matthew chapter 24. Now, some of you will will remember this, but Jesus says this. Jesus actually is telling us what's to come. Listen to this. 
Matthew 24, 15. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. Remember at the beginning I said that Hanukkah is prophesied in Daniel chapter 8? Now Jesus is actually referencing Daniel, Daniel chapter 8. He says, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. And then it says, reader, pay attention. What's Jesus talking about here? Of course, he's, he's referencing the second Hanukkah. What happened in, in AD 168, Jesus says, is going to happen in the end. That's a sign of the end. Did you get that? Folks, there's, the Bible is so full of instruction and guidance if you just have the patience to sit and study it and watch it. Jesus is telling us of the signs of the final defeat of Satan. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish the light. Jesus was born into this world to finally defeat Satan once and for all. Hallelujah. And the good news, folks, is that not, it's not just a future event. It's a now event. It's now for you in your life, right now. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, whatever darkness has descended upon you, I want you to know in Jesus Christ, in his name, you can be free. Just cry out the name of Jesus. Would you say it with me? Dear Jesus. 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 You're not Pentecostal at all. Say it again. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Well, we, let's, let's, Thomas, you and I are the only ones acting like it. <laughs> and Patrick. <laughs> Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jesus. Jesus, the light of the world. The darkness can never extinguish the light. Would you stand with me, please? Oh, hallelujah. Father, we thank you today that Christmas is all about the light who is Jesus. The birth of Jesus, the light of the world, signals the end of Satan and his kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. Father, some of us this morning are living in darkness even now. We've allowed Satan to discourage us. We've allowed Satan to whisper into our hearts. Some of us, our faith has been deeply rocked. And we're struggling even this morning. Father, thank you for this word from heaven that reminds us that Jesus Christ has conquered Satan at the cross. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus is our light. The darkness can never extinguish that light. We thank you that we have that light living in us. And because that light is in us, that light goes with us wherever we go. Father, we pray that you would use us to be a blessing to all the people in our lives where we work, in our home, to our spouse. Let the light of Christ dwell within us richly. 
Let that light drive away all the darkness that threatens our peace and our joy. And for those of us who have lost it, God, show us that we can get it back instantly just by coming into the presence of Almighty God because that light, that menorah, that Hanukkah candle represents the very presence of God. And that light, Lord God, dwells within us if we put our faith in Jesus. And we pray that for Christ's sake. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Tell the person beside you, go live in the light.